You don't have to be focused on your me-centered life because Jesus is focused on your me-centered life. don't incorporate into our lives a heavenly perspective, the earthly perspective will be very weighty. Father, I thank you today that you are just who you have said you are. I thank you that you, the God that the Word depicts, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, so many things change in life. Changes that, Lord, sometimes they confuse us. Would you give us an eye, a focus today, to see something that is the same? that stabilizes our spirit, our soul, and our body, even though change has taken place. We do pray this morning for interchange, a change that brings transformation and sets up a vision of Jesus Christ in our hearts I this day Holy Spirit we thank you for your presence and you said you're not going to leave you're always present and so we call upon that help for each one here this morning God for each one's family they're not here this morning God but there's a connection there's been a prayer there's been a hope. There's been a dream. I thank you that you're reaching beyond the borders in the boundaries of just the perimeters of what sometimes we're limited. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you so much for coming this morning on this cold morning, for you getting started and your cars getting started. And uh, praise the Lord. I, I, I know to us it's cold, but somebody told this morning that uh, uh, in Iceland or, or Greenland there's 102 below. So uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll take the 12, 13 below, won't we? Amen. God loves you. I don't know what that means to you and how that registers on, in your life that God loves you. He loves in such a degree that he said that there isn't anything that life can throw at you that is going to stop him from loving you. He says, no matter what happens in this natural realm, he said, I, I, I love you. He says, no matter what happens in the, in the, the realm of the spirits, he said, I love you. No matter what happens above or on earth or below, he said, I love you. And I love that that is so... Uh, that is so deep and so active that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So a love that's, that's more, just in, more than just some kind of feeling, it's a love that has went ahead and made a great exchange. Eternal life that was with the Father now has come down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our eternal life. 
I like to stop and think about it once in a while because you know when, when you've had eternal life for so long and yet you have to deal with natural life, you know, on a regular basis and because of the senses, the natural life seems to be more dominant or, you know, uh, has a tremendous influence in us, on us. And so we have to almost calculatedly stop and talk and think about, you know, eternal life. Paul said this, he said, the, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You know what? Jesus is active in your life if you believe in him. When you believed in him, he became an active part of your life. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The process sometimes is long, but the outcome is sure. I want to you put your hands together and give the Lord a praise this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sowing dreams and cultivating lives. We started that last week and today I just want to add to that if I might uh, by God's grace and uh, your uh, acceptance of it. I uh, did a funeral of a, of a member of this church this past week uh, who was 92 and a half years old and she, she finished the race and went on and In that sermon I talked about remembering, which we discussed her life. And then I talked about review. In other words, when we begin to focus on our lives. And then we ended up with refocus. Remember, review, and re. Refocus. And so today, the title is Refocus. Refocus, the New Year's Resolve. Talk about resolution. I'm not talking about resolutions. I'm going to talk about, you know what I mean? Which way is the arrow pointing? See, God is not a backup plan. but he is the planner himself. It's not a backup plan. But he's the planner itself. As we cultivate our lives so that our lives matches our dreams and, you know, we are ready for the dream when it takes place. The cultivating period in time is sometimes very confusing. It does not seem to uh, uh, agree with the promise. There are many Bible characters that show us that, but, you know, Joseph is one of my favorite, and he has been given this promise of, of, you know, setting in a very high position, and yet he spends 18 years of his life probably in the lowest position and place, you know, doing those things that seemingly had no correlation to the promise. But we discover as we're able to look at it that, you know, it was really all a preparation. You don't see it in the middle. I'm not asking you to see it. I don't know that Joseph saw it. He just hung on to God. He did, of course, Receive revelation regarding it when the promise began to unfold. 
What could have caused bitterness in his life, what could have destroyed his soul, what could have destroyed his future, he kept balanced by knowing that God is good. And he's not just good some of the time, he's good all of the time. And what seemingly may look bad to you, he is actively working to make it good for you. In the process, it's not just the events, but it's you, me. So as we cultivate our lives, and you walk with me, and I think it's a simple message, but I think it's a timely message. That as believers, as people of God, as, as the church, as we cultivate our lives, one of the things that we'll be, become stronger in is witnessing to the unsaved. Fellowshipping with the believer. Praying fervently or fervent prayers. Giving and sharing our resources. and Praising the mighty God. And Unifying the soldiers for the greater work of the kingdom. It was one of Jesus' last prayer was that his soldiers would be unified. I pray that, Father, that they would be one just like you and I are, are one. Unity is a, is, is a great challenge. It's one of our greatest, you know, challenges. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. He said, there's a lot of work at it. But it's a possible one, and it's the prayer of, prayer of Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, familiar verse, Seek ye the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Would you agree with me this morning that society is, is kind of maybe diluted the idea of take up your cross and follow Christ? A call to die. Take up your cross is kind of surrendered to what's in it for me. Now, there's so much in it for us. I love what Colossians says in chapter 3. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. The priorities that are needed for this fast-paced life... You're like me, that there are many things that clamor for my attention. My devotion. There are both demands and there are distractions. That's life. There are practical. Many of them are inescapable. Because life goes by so quickly. And yet, when we understand how long eternity is, it's in view of that that will help us to have our priorities. 
right. God is, as far as we know, he's given us another year. Now, he could come this year. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's time to go for it. Take, take full advantage of the life he's given us, the days that are ours, the dreams that he's put in our, our heart. And you've heard preachers ask you before, what are your priorities in life? Well, I'm just going to ask that too. What are your priorities in a given day? What are the aspirations? Do you have a vision board, so to speak? Say, Pastor, what's a vision board? It's, a vision board is just like a bulletin board. And on it, you begin to spell out your visions. And maybe some of the steps and, you know, those things that you know are necessary or required in order for that vision to become reality. Now, this one thing I know is that I can't do what I'm asking God to do on my own. I know that it's going to take his help. It's the Holy Spirit is, 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 is going to have to, you know, sometimes awaken me, quicken me, stop me, <laughs> turn me. I mean... But I want to follow him more closely this year. So I want to give my life a spiritual checkup. Things I think that dramatically improve 2016. Not just for us, but for those around us. Not just for our families, but for others' families. And so as we set our priorities, you've got to make time for priorities. Be nice if it would just happen. In life, there's the urgent and there's the important. And the urgent is that one with the loudest voice. It's screaming for you to take care of it. Pay attention to it. You got to do me now. You got to go ahead and help resolve and solve this now. But then there's the important. It's much more soft voice. But at the same time, it is more important than the urgent. So the first one that I have for you this morning, and I hope you'll agree with me, is more of Christ and less of me. Refocusing, more of Christ and less of me. I don't know primarily a time that I wasn't under the influence of Christ and the Holy Spirit in my life. Uh, so as far as years, it's a lot of them. But there's still room for more for pastor. See, because the cross ends an old life and it begins a new one. And you know, life can seem to magnify the old life when Jesus wants us to be focused on the new life. So in priority number one is getting to know God in a personal way is our greatest priority in life. 
The first commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, Matthew chapter 22, is a relational recipe, but it is also a life recipe. It is a life recipe. Those first things. Our flesh clamors for its me first. Society promotes a me-centered life first. And you don't have to be focused on your me-centered life because Jesus is focused on your me-centered life. Hallelujah. He is interested. We'll, we'll find that out as we unwrap this a little bit. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross daily and follow me. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Your most fulfilling day is carrying your cross. So we want to more of Christ and less of ourselves. Is this possible? Well, there's the record of a man in Genesis chapter 5, and his name is Enoch. At 65 years of age, he has a son, and his son's name is Methuselah. And the Bible says that after Methuselah was born, Enoch entered into a relationship with the Lord that just, you know, spanned 300 years. And here's what it says. Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. Walking in close fellowship with God, and then one day he just walked out of here. Now, the picture that is given there is because when we go over to Jude, we discover that, 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 that Jude, uh, 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 Enoch is a seventh from Adam. And so the seventh from Adam means, you know what I mean, just like the church is the seventh, that one day the church is just going to walk out of here. <laughs> but it's going to take relationship. Is walking in relationship. And God, through Jesus Christ, has went ahead and made the relationship possible. So more Christ, less of me. How about more joy and less worry? Simple, but yet important. Start... Make up your mind. You know when you wake up, you don't, you're not always in a good mood or you're not always in a bad mood. You're just kind of in a neutral position. I mean, sleep is fighting awakeness and awakeness is fighting sleep. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got to decide, okay, what are going to be my first thoughts of the day? Is it going to be an upper or is it going to be a downer? But I think we need to make up our minds that we're not going to let anything steal our joy. In John chapter 16, verse 22, Jesus is talking to his disciples as they've just discovered that he is he's leaving. He said, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you'll rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. That temporary grief that was caused by his death would be lost in the joy of that spiritual reunion. 
God wants to take those moments of joy and, or excuse me, those moments of sorrow and turn them into joy that just does not, it's not a vapor. You can, you can wait, excuse me for trying to read my own notes, huh? you can wait until you get your results, or you can have joy now because of his results. And I think that Jesus is focused on, he said, you know, the results are going to come because of the results are already in. The results are already in. Because I live, you shall live also. He says to the, his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, he says, I don't want you worried about these things saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear because these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows that you have need of them you prioritize right everything else you need will be will be given to you So God wants you to have more joy and less worry. He said this. He said, worry just doesn't get you any place. He used an analogy. It, it can't add one cubit or it can't one, add one day to your life. It can't add any height to your stature. But it sure can wreak havoc with your soul. Burns up your soul's life. It's, it's energy. We're prone to worry. This is not a rebuke. This is not, you know, this doesn't make you a bad person. He's saying this is what happens, but I, I, I want you to know that I will take care of those things that you are worrying about. He's not, you know, putting down wise planning and hard work. No. What he's saying is the God who gave us life is the God who will sustain our life. I know the daily needs of life. I even know tax time, Uncle Sam. Right. Peter, it's time. It's tax time. Well, now, I wouldn't go to every fishing hole and try to catch a fish because if he hasn't instructed you to do that, there's the difference. See, but he's showing you that, you know. A provision he has already set aside. Don't worry. So we exchange our worry for more joy. And that's something that you've heard me say is, is, is my prayer. Because I don't think I'm, I'm by personality a joyful person. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a negative person. No, but I'm probably more sober looking than I am, you know, happy looking. At least that's what people tell me. I am a deep thinker, and so sometimes because I'm a deep thinker, you know, that walks pretty close to the, the line of worry. He says that worry gives you just a fat zero in life. It, it just doesn't get you anything. He says, I understand that yesterday it holds some broken dreams 
There are some irreversible things that have happened, happened in your life yesterday. But God says, I can go ahead and transform those destructive anxieties into constructive thoughtfulness for your, for your future. He wants to bring us along. Sometimes there's lost opportunities, but God gives us new opportunities. We talk about letting the past go, but we need to let the past rest, but rest in the sweet embrace of Christ. Because otherwise it'll show up and it'll haunt you. More Bible and less world. Romans chapter 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, that thinking is really important because it's the process center. And I was, we was in the prayer room praying about this, you know, our, our minds that we'd be, be renewed in the spirit of our minds. But, you know, it's that intersection of life. Where, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, <laughs> you know, has to have filters. That's why he said that if we don't incorporate into our lives a heavenly perspective, you know what I mean, the earthly perspective will be very weighty. Set your affections on things above and not on things on earth. It's too heavy. Change the way that, that you think. It's possible to so focus on the world and its ways that we miss what God has for us because we don't recognize it. Develop a biblical view of life. Psalms 1, 1 and 2 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with the, with the mockers. He's basically saying, you know, th there's a limited amount of time that you're able to, you know, endure in wrong company, in wrong advice, wrong perspectives. There's just a limited amount of time. So he says, you know what I mean? But they that delight in the law of the Lord meditate on it day and night. And he goes on to say the fruitfulness of, of their lives. Some more Bible and less, less world. More trust and less doubt. I don't know. Any hands on that one? Lord, I believe it. Help my unbelief. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's our limited understanding that always, you know, kind of muddles things up. God says, basically, he says, you know what I mean? It, it isn't that you understand it, but that you trust him who understands it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Seek his will and do it, and he will show you the path in which to, to take It's time for the church to leave doubt to those that don't know Jesus yet and go ahead and embrace the fact that believe. Priority is more pure intake and less processed intake. 
Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the, the mouth of God. It's all good. You may not all understand it. You may not always, you know what I mean, know how to really get it applicable in your life. But, you know, when you're done reading it, say it's good. Having Jesus part of your life. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any part of me. Of course, we know we can, you know, that's more than just communion, you know, with its representation. The words that Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. He says we need to have a word diet. Word diet. Now remember, very important man in my life. He wasn't a preacher. Just he just loved God, and he he said, you know, he said, I read the Bible, but I just don't really understand it at all. I just I just don't understand it. That never stopped him from reading it. But they are such fantastic writers today that God has gifted that can just, you know what I mean, uh, 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 put it in a vernacular that you grasp, you know what I mean, in a a, a day-by-day, you know. So, you know, keep the Bible close by and, and have another writer that helps you to understand Paul said, or, 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 uh, Peter, Peter said this. He said, there's things written that are hard to be understood. Stay away from them. <laughs> he said that those that don't stay away from them, they don't understand it, they wrestle them. You know what I mean? It gets so, it gets so mixed up that the result of it is as their faith takes a hit. They can't put it in the right shelf. He says, well, don't go there. More giving and less buying. (laughs) Hallelujah. Huh? More giving and less, less buying. Now, pastor's after my wallet. No, I'm at, I'm not. Um, Jesus is after your life. Yes. To engage the law of return. You engage the law of return by giving. If you want mercy in your life, then you give somebody else mercy. Hallelujah. I mean, I, you know, I love that one because I know I'm going to need mercy. I, I need God's cover up. So, man, you know, I just love running around for my own sake. I'm in my own neck. <laughs> I'm going I'm to just overlook that, and I'm just going to extend, you know mercy to you. I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want the, the anybody to tell on the somebody at some point. You, you activate, you engage the law of return. Luke 6.38, given it shall be given. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured into, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. It's okay to buy, but let us buy with a vision and how we can give.
because many do it the other way. Hey, you can tell me that's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> okay, more encouragement and less gossip. Ah, we don't do that. I mean, humans don't do that. They don't sell. More encouragement and, and less gossip. First Thessalonians chapter 5, we got some of them up there. Encourage each other. Build each other up. In this case, they were already doing it, but yet he's still encouraging. Just don't stop. Keep encouraging. Build up. Somebody says this. Well, that might be false praise. Well, it could be encouragement. Good game. Good job. Proverbs 26 and 20 says, Fire goes out, goes out without wood. And quarrels disappear when gossip stop, stops. Proverbs 16 28, gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 20 and 19, gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang around with chatterers. Now, I don't think he's talking about, you know, people like to talk a lot. You know what I mean? All right, if you, if you talk a lot, as long as you're saying the right things. <laughs> You're not telling the stories that, you know, shouldn't be, be told. So, yes, more encouragement, less, less gossip. I want to be an encourager. More serving and less talking. Mark chapter 10 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The arena and how you do it can be as varied as people are. And who is it that God has you gravitate? Paul and Fran, I, I, I saw you there, but thank you for coming back and just enjoying this cold weather with us. <laughs> Rather than those 80s that you're... serve. This year we need to serve God. We need to serve our church. We need to serve our family. We need to serve our friends. And we need to serve needs. Find the opportunities to to impact. Make a, you know, definitive decision. Don't vacillate. Say, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It was Joshua who made this statement to his peers and all of his uh, subjects, so to speak, because he was the leader of them. He says, you really need to make a decision. He said in life, this is paraphrasing it. He said in life, he said, you've been exposed to a lot of things. You've been introduced to a lot of gods. Talks about the Amorite gods. Talks about some other gods they'd been exposed to. He says, and in, 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 you, you can't have a, a bunch of them. You can't vacillate. You know, he doesn't tell them which God to serve. He tells them, tell them which God he's going to serve. <laughs> He says, make a choice. This one, that one, or Jehovah. But I want you to know that as for me and my house, Jehovah is the Lord. He is going to be my God, my family's God, and we're going to serve the Lord. 
so more serving. More devotion and less distraction. Simple, but more devotion and less distraction. Jesus said in John chapter 15, 5, I am the vine and you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Things of value, eternal value, require a connection to him who is eternal. Though it finds itself meted out in the very natural realms, we are supposed to give coats and cloaks. We're supposed to give bread to the hungry. But we're supposed to stay connected to the vine because apart from him we can do So he's really saying you need to dwell with him, you need to hang out with him. That's a, not something my generation would use, but that's a modern term, you know? It's hang out. At least they understand. I don't care if you, if you call it hang out. <laughs> you know, just, just as, long as, as long as you're with him. Yeah. Number of the... Uh, uh, Bible Center Church people went to the prayer, uh, War Room. War Room. Fantastic movie. Great movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's really a, really a good movie, and it's about, it's about a prayer closet. And, and when, we got, when we got done seeing that, I mean, we have people making their own war room or their prayer closets. The idea is just to be able to spend some time. And Jesus said that, you know, that there's really great power that flows from your personal time. He said there's a closet of prayer. He's just talking about personal time, you know what I mean? You don't have to have a separate room. You don't have to have a chair or anything, you know what I mean? But, you know, uh, you do need to be alone, (laughs) not distracted. And, you know, he said, and out of that, you're going to find great results. As you pray in secret, he rewards you Openly. It says your private time and your personal time, you know, is going to be evident outside in your life. Just talk with God. Don't let the distractions. We started out with urgent and important and Now, Pastor, are you suggesting or are you inferring? I mean, it would be nice if, if everybody had this slot of time, you know. But I do know this, that whether work and play, God can be your partner while you're working and when you're playing. Hallelujah. Don't let the distractions of life steal your time with Jesus. You remember the story of Mary and Martha. Now this is Jesus' words, and my musicians can come. These are Jesus' words. It says that he, Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, I, I, I can, I'll be honest with you. I, I relate to Martha. But there's a right time and there's an opportune time. And Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) Tell her to come and help me. 
the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, she's not a rebuke. You are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from them. Just as there's a work, there's a time to work, time to play, time to live, a time to die. You know, Ecclesiastes, you know, uh, speaks about, you know, the time of things. There's a time for devotion. A time for devotion. And even if dinner is pressing, I don't know how that plays out. You know what I mean? You've you got to unravel that yourself because, you know, I'll, I'll get in trouble because I'm a man. <laughs> right, you know? I'm not going to unravel this for the women, all right? But those opportune times, those Jesus times. He doesn't always tell me this, but, you know, he does once in a while. He says, I want you to go down to the church. Well, I can pray at home, you know? But he says, no, I want you to go down to the church. And every time I obey him in that, there's a sweet fellowship that, 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 that takes place as he guides and directs, you know what I mean, the moment and the time. I don't think he'll call you aside if he don't think that you can go ahead and go aside. <laughs> Maybe he was telling Martha, you know, the way you're trying to set the table might not be quite necessary at this moment when something else is as important as Jesus in the house. I remember, I don't know if Brother Dave remembers it, uh, the Raiders. Raiders would come to our house. They were preachers, husband and wife, powerful. I, I, I've never sat in the presence of an individual that the presence of God radiated like it did. It's the, he just sat in the chair and just talked normal, and, the, and, and, and it was just like, a, there, there was just, it just, you know. When he was there talking, it was not time to go outside and cut wood. It was a moment and a time, an opportunity. That's just, yours will not be that way. I'm not suggesting that, you know. This is the last one. More fellowship and less isolation. More fellowship and less isolation. God, when he made man, he understood that, you know, Aloneness is not the best. And so, of course, we know in that case, he made Adam a helpmeet, and there was more to the, that than just the fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, let us not neglect the gathering and our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I think that we, we want to make the gatherings special. It, it isn't about, you know, how many times is it as it is about, you know, the times that we do. The times that we do. And I love this. There are over 50 verses called the one another verses. 
50 one another verses, John 13, 35. Love one another. How many know that that's hard to do at a distance? It's hard to do at a distance. James chapter 5 says you need to pray for one another. Now, to me, I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's you know, he's, he's drawn them closer because he said that they're sick and afflicted. You know, if any sick, let them call the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil. He's, he's getting them together. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think the, the, the connotation is all of a sudden, you know, it's so far separated, but it's more togetherness than it is separatedness. Romans chapter 5. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. John 13, 34, Jesus, love one another. Romans chapter 12, stand with me this morning. Love one another with great affection. Love one another with great affection. More Christ, less me. More joy, less worry. More Bible, less world. More trust, less doubt. More pure intake, less processed intake. More giving, less buying. More encouragement, less gossip. More serving, less talking. More devotion, less distraction. And more fellowship and less isolation. This is not legalism, church. No. No. This is lifeism. It's about life. Amen. Refocus. Refocus. I'm not suggesting that there's anything that you have to change in the terms of of how your schedule is playing, but how in what direction your heart is pointing. That's where it's got to stem from. Is what direction the heart is heart is pointing. Father, as we leave the house this morning and as we are cultivating our lives for life's dreams we want to thank you Lord that the words that you have spoken are their life and you want us to have life and as in this 2016 as each one of us in relationship to the Holy Spirit who has been appointed in our lives to guide us and to lead us. Father, and so we're just asking the Holy Spirit if he would just go ahead and moderate this in our lives and be the moderator and the orchestrator and the empower of it. Thank you, Father. Why is it important? Because the enemy wants to break down your relationships. He wants to break down your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, he can't break it on God's side. But he can break it and hinder it on your side. And not only wants to break down the relationship that you have with God the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. He would also like to break down the horizontal relationships that are vital and important to you, to the other person. I want to break them down. You know, that's why it's so important. So that he can't take the pillars out of the building of your home. Because wisdom has hewn out seven pillars. I won't go into it. But there's some pillars that are necessary for the function in your home and your life. Amen. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Go with God because he's going to go with you. Amen. And he's already determined that he's going to bless Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday. It's going to bless it.
Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR.